Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. button. That's okay. I don't pay him anything, so. <laughs> Hello, Sean. Welcome to Periscope, buddy. You're not on Facebook anymore. Oh, hey. That's all right. I'm going to say hi, everybody. First of all, I don't know if anybody can hear me. Can you all hear me? Probably. Hey, you happy to see me? I'm back. <laughs> hey, I have a box right here of Kleenex. Oh my gosh, I probably went through well, I don't know how many I went through, but anyway, uh, I'm I'm happy to be back. As you can tell, I can breathe again. I can breathe again. It's a miracle. Hey, TR Fun Guy, and Mia, and Melanie, and Pastor Garrett, and Dina. How are you guys? Wait, did I share this yet? I'm going to share this out. Okay. So today what we're going to do, and I'm, and I'm, part of me is hesitant actually to talk about this topic, but I'm going to. Hopefully you don't get mad at me. My goal is not to get you mad at me. I know it comes naturally sometimes. Hi, Jonathan. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully you don't get mad. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Lent and whether or not it's biblical, okay? And there's actually a ton of controversy about it. I I posted an article over on my Facebook page titled Five Reasons Not to Observe Lent. And I had some Catholics out there just start hammering on me and attacking me personally and other people. And it's just like (laughs) this big, huge debate, you know, about whether or not this is biblical. I'm going to tell you something. Um, We're going to read a number of different things and hopefully you'll learn whatever. Okay. (laughs) Just curious. You know, and I hate non-Catholics, just so you know. Gosh. People are so sensitive, you know. I actually believe that some Catholics are born again. I don't believe all are, just like I don't believe all Christians are born again. People who say they're Christians, just so you know, I don't necessarily believe some of you are saved. But who am I to judge, right? That's what I'm about. Just, you know, just, I'm a conversationalist, people. That's all I am. (laughs) With big, fluffy hair. A lot of it, might add. So, I don't know about you, but, um, so we're going to talk about that. And, uh. Be not a bor- borrower or a lenter, be, says Melanie. Of course you do. <laughs> hey, if you're on uh, YouTube, I want to say thank you for tuning in. By the way, you guys can access the show anytime on YouTube.com forward slash Bible News Radio. You can join us on Facebook.com forward slash Bible News Radio. You can follow me on Twitter. Yes, you guessed it, at Bible News Radio. You can also just go to BibleNewsRadio.com. Yeah, you can. You can go over there. You can text the term Bible News to 33222 if you so desire and you want to get on my text message list. Be notified of when I'm on here, which is usually at 4 o'clock Central Time, just in case you didn't know that. Um, And what else? 
Is that it, Bareface? Do you prefer we watch on any particular platform? Uh, well, here's the thing. In On Periscope, okay, here's the thing. It's easiest for me to interact with people on Periscope because Periscope's platform is is designed really for easy interaction with video. So that's why we have the most people on our our on our Periscope platform. We have like 6200 followers or something like on Periscope. So and those of you I can see I'm following you and if you follow me on Periscope and I know you're going to be in here a lot, I usually follow you back. Um, so that's how I know you're here on Facebook. They make it a little bit more difficult to interact because Facebook rolls stuff out and then you got to refresh the page. And sometimes people are watching, but they won't comment. So you don't know who they are and all that and blah, blah. Anyway, long story short. Um, so, you know, anywhere though, but, but if you subscribe to YouTube, that would be cool. And then tweet that out on Twitter. That'd be cool too. And anytime you want to share the show is awesome. Yeah, it is. And if you do, and you tag me in it, then I'll, like, shout you out and say, yay, so-and-so shared our show. Okay. Like, like Melanie and Mia, they always share our show out. And Elbert, over on Facebook, he shares the show out all the time. Periscope um, is great if you can see the comments that are people. <laughs> For some reason, uh, just over the, well, at the end of the week last week and, and, and yesterday, uh, both on my phone with the Periscope app and through Periscope producer on the broadcast, not all the, actually, I would say, very few of the comments were showing up. So, anyway, hopefully that's all better this week. Okay. Do we have a question and answer slot in our broadcast? Well, we interact with like, with you live. <laughs> so, that's pretty much it. Um, I try What I try to do, if you're new, okay, wait, first of all, if you're new, hi. Hi! Um, if you're new to the show, then I am Stacy Lynn Harp, your sweet and lovable host. See, it's right there, written in ink or text, whatever. Anyway, um, it's because you guys labeled me that way. Uh, anyway, so, um, so I'm the host. We've been doing this for almost four years here on live streaming. Started on Periscope, which is why there's a lot of people on Periscope. Um, of course, now we're on Facebook. And then, of course, we're on YouTube as well. And then I take the audio from here. I put it in the podcast. We're on iTunes. You can, you can actually listen to the podcast. I have a lot of people who tune into the podcast as well because you don't care about looking at me and seeing my big hair every day. <laughs> Just so you know. Anyway, um, and so I'm the host, uh, Randall, Pandle Bareface, my husband. Let me try to this way. That's... deal with the light exposure. <laughs> I I changed the the exposure on this camera. Let me there we do. That will do. I'll just block the light from coming in the side. Whoops, and then there he is. Adjust the so, accordingly. <laughs> so that's I took auto exposure off, but then it, last time I did that, it froze your camera, which is weird. So that's good. Um, yeah. So anyway, so Randall is my husband. We've been married almost twenty seven years. We broadcast from Middle Tennessee, where we live. We actually uh, started this show in California in 2005-ish, around there, give or take. My background is as a marriage and family therapist. Often people ask what the MS stands for. It stands for Master's of Science in Clinical Psychology. And Randall's uh, got a Bachelor's of Science in Computer Information Systems. And uh, he is my Oops. audiovisual guy. He's my, super handsome, too. My left side. It's weird because I'm trying to 
There he is. Anyway, I've got... And poor Bearface has sniffles now. I wonder why. Okay, here's the deal. I'm just going to vent. Don't go to the doctor, people. Just don't do it, because that's where I got sick. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it, because I wasn't around anybody else sick. And then when I went to the doctor, because they told me I had to go there in order to renew my thyroid medicine, two days later, I'm, like, totally sick. And now Bearface is getting sick, so... Oops. So, (laughs) please... Please pray for my husband. Yeah, I really tried to avoid it, but <sighs> felt it coming on this morning. I thought, well, he it's he the, avoided it so much, people. He didn't kiss me or hug me for a couple of days. Just didn't so kiss you, know. you on the lips. I didn't want. All right, still. Let's let's be truthful here. Um, <laughs> anyway, I thought today would be good to go to the go to the rec center and sweat. You know, get toxins out, and it would help me. But you know. Mucus happens, people. Yeah, it does. And uh, now it seems to be <laughs> mucus coming happens. on. I love that. <laughs> it seems to be coming on uh, full speed ahead now. That ooh, that should be Mucin X's like thing. Hey, Linda, over on uh, Facebook. Okay, and then there's some other people that came in. Hey, Natasha and Kim, nice to see you. Uh, and who else is here that I didn't say hi to? Diane is here. Emily, uh, Lou is here. Uh, Nair is here. I think I said hi to everybody. Sean, June, Sharla, and whoever else. Sorry. Hi. You're all here, aren't you? Okay. All right. So let's talk about Lent, people. <laughs> Nair says drink plenty of water and take medicine. I will be drinking lots of water still. I still am a little bit congested, but man, I'm feeling totally better. I played pickleball today. You know where my issue is? is I have a pinched nerve that makes me go numb. And, like, in my hand, my arm, <laughs> parts of my leg. And I'm like, okay, this is just super weird and freaking me out. So, but anyway, that's just, you know, you guys. Yes, I did. I said hi to you, Gina. I said you, watch the replay. I said hi to you. <laughs> okay, all right, let's talk about Lent. So, Lent uh is a hot topic apparently and so i'm going to read the article that i posted on my facebook page because i agree with my article that i i didn't write this but i agree with this and there's like a whole bunch of other things i could go down the a rabbit trail on but <clears throat> uh but before i read this here's what i'm not okay Here's what I'm not doing. Number one, I'm not condemning Catholics to hell or anything like that, just so you know. Number two, uh, you can celebrate Lent if you want. Okay, I don't care. You can do whatever the heck you want. If you want to celebrate Lent, go for it. If it makes you feel closer to God, I don't care. Go ahead and do it. Okay? Uh, So, you know, my question and the reason I brought this up was, this author said five, there was five reasons not to observe Lent. Okay. So I read through his reasons and I thought, you know what? I kind of agree with this guy, but you don't, I mean, you can observe Lent if you want. I don't care if it, if it makes you feel better, but whether or not it's actually biblical, that's the issue at hand for me. That's my issue. My issue isn't to like go, ah, you evil people out there who are celebrating Lent and giving up chocolate and stuff. How dare you? You know, I mean, I'm, I don't care. I really don't care. But is this biblical? Is the idea in scripture, where does the idea come from? That's one thing. But is the actual practice in there? 
Like, for example, communion, we're told, we see that, we see that Jesus, Yeshua, actually gave out communion, right? They did that at Passover. He says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So we actually have this sacrament of uh, communion in the church, right? Some churches decide when they want to do it. Some do it once a month. Some do it every week. Some do it like every day. Technically, if you do it whenever Jesus said to do it, you would be doing it every day. But most churches don't. I get that. No big deal, right? Okay, whatever. So where I'm coming from, just so you know, (laughs) I put this on my Facebook page. I didn't expect all Lent to break loose, uh, but apparently it did. So (laughs) here's what the article says. And this was written or posted by Jeff Maples, who I'm going to assume wrote it. Uh, uh, It's titled, Five Reasons Not to Observe Lent. And this is over on ReformationCharlotte.org. Okay. Every, Every year in February or March, Ash Wednesday kicks off the first day of Lent, a largely Roman Catholic tradition, which is essentially a six week season of grieving and remorse over your sin. It is, however, also observed by Eastern Orthodox, Anglicans, Lutherans, and Methodists officially, and in recent years, many mainline Protestants and evangelicals have jumped on the bandwagon. All right, I'll just say this. First of all, it's true. It is true that in recent years, I've seen this as an observer and a watcher of the Christian world, especially the evangelical and Protestant world, uh, that all of a sudden evangelicals and Protestants are talking about Lent when... 20 years ago, that didn't happen. Okay, so that's actually true. Uh, It says here it's a largely Roman Catholic tradition, which it is. The roots of it, uh, at least according to some of the sites I'm going to show you, come come straight out of that, the the calendar there. Um, And generally it's six weeks, give or take, you know. Um, And it says here, it's interesting, it's a season of grieving and remorse over your sin. That's a season to which I would, I would say, and I'm just thinking this through, you can yell at me later if you want, but I would say, you know what, do I really need a season to, to really be remorseful and all that? I mean, as a believer, I personally repent every day because I need to. <laughs> it's pretty obvious, right, people? <laughs> it's just like, I'm, you know, um, but this is, this is a, this is a tradition, and the Lord took took issue with tradition. Okay, anyway. Article goes on to say, typically it involves some modernized notion of fasting, basically giving something traditionally meat up for a few weeks. But over the course of modern history, it has morphed into a free-for-all kind of abstaining from anything you choose. And I had a couple people get mad at me on, on Facebook. I'm like, I didn't even say anything. I just posted this article. But it's true. Fasting, if you're going to fast, which is what this is, right? If you're going to fast, nowhere in scripture, unless you can find it, does it say you should fast from your iPhone or you should fast from Netflix. You should fast from TV. You should fast from going, you know, to your favorite pickleball court, you know, (laughs) five days a week. There's nowhere, nowhere, zero places in the Bible where the fasting applies to anything. Candace Cameron Bure, bless her little heart, who I absolutely adore and love, as a Christian, was on her Instagram account not too long ago talking about Lent. She she actually said, because I watched her Instagram stories, she actually said, you could just give up whatever you want, you know, during this 40 days. If it helps you go, draw closer to God, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But is it biblical? 
the answer is no. Because fasting is food, people. It Specifically, you fast from food. And people are like, well, this is tied to, to the wilderness and what Jesus did for 40 days. Okay. And what did Jesus fast from? I think it was food, people. It was food. Okay. <laughs> he fasted from food. Nothing else. And he was tempted by the devil. Now, what I find really fascinating about this whole discussion is that <clears throat> if we're all going to fast from something, do we not expect to be tempted as well? Hmm? And yet, where's the temptation aspect of this whole thing in here? It's, it's not really addressed. But anyway, let's look at the five reasons this guy says we, you shouldn't observe Lent. Number one, fasting is not a corporate activity. And in fact, scripture warns against the corporate practice of fasting and prayer. It is to be done privately. And he cites Matthew 6, 16 to 18. He says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Now, I, I'm going to say something that might really tick a couple of you off who, who support the idea of fasting this way. Um... What is the point of putting ashes on your forehead if not to show the whole world that you're fasting? I, there is an article with LGBT activist Christians who had glitter ash on their foreheads in order to show off that they were fasting. I don't know. Just saying. I, when I fast, I want anybody to know about it because this is what it says. It says, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay. Now, okay, that's good. I will say... You know, we can't do a whole apologetic show on this because we only got an hour. But I will say, is can you fast corporately? Yes, you can fast corporately. Is there a biblical basis for it? Well, let's see. There's the book of Jonah where Jonah was sent to Nineveh to tell them to repent, right? Or they're going to be destroyed, just as an example. Okay? What happened? They all repented nationally. So... Now, you could say that that kind of qualifies as a corporate fast, right? In Isaiah 55, I think it is, it talks about fasting. And there's other places in scripture where, yes, corporate fasting is possible. So I wouldn't... Acts 13. Acts 13 with the, bare The church faces. at Antioch were, were praying and fasting, waiting on the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, it wasn't a public display, so unbelievers around could see that they were fasting or other people could admire they they were You're looking dark. You're I know. Of, you're the dark person. We need they to get another it. light on you. Yeah. Let me block off the sunlight here. All right. Uh That's better. But yeah, they were we don't know it was corporate fasting. It wasn't for a public display and it wasn't so they could appear to be others to be fasting. Uh, I think the the author's article Yes, Matthew 6 is a is a prohibition against fasting to be seen by others that hey I'm fasting, but it's not a it's not a prohibition against corporate fasting. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So back to you. This guy goes on to say, Lent, as practiced by mainstream Roman 
Roman Catholicism and Protestantism is a corporate church-wide call to fasting, something the scripture never commands us to do. Fasting for the believer is a spiritual discipline practiced for the purpose of drawing personally closer in union with God. And that is true, right? It is true. Yeah, but it's also true in the case of Acts 13 that it, yeah, drawing closer to God, but not solely as a, a, a personal spiritual practice, but so that the whole body would be uh, closer and discerning the will of the Spirit on you know, what to do next for advancing the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit said to just separate unto them Barnabas and Saul for the work that he had prepared for them to do. Anyway, back to you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, one of the fun, one of the things one of the things I did to uh, to cheer myself up when I was feeling like really bad <laughs> was was watch reporter videos that went bad. And so that's what that reminded me of. And back to you. <laughs> okay, number two. Fasting will not gain you favor with God. True story. True story. Many who observe Lent believe that by doing so, they will gain favor with God. It has become to them an act of penance, an attempt to atone for their own sins. This is especially true in the Catholic Church, but the tradition has crept into evangelical circles as well, believing that the act of fasting will in any way turn away God's wrath is actually a curse. As it says in Galatians 5, 4, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. There is but one way to gain favor with God, and that is to be covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You must turn from your unrighteous works and turn to Christ alone for what he has accomplished is sufficient. And then John eight thirty six he quotes, so if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Okay. A couple of people took like huge issue. Well, how dare you say that I can't do this in order to draw closer to God and blah, blah. This is my thing. And I'm like, I don't care if you do it or not. I'm just trying to tell you it's not biblical. There's no biblical basis that says if you do this, then God's going to give you more favor. And that's what's so hard, in my opinion, about and, and, what, and that's what's what's very different from Christianity versus all the other religions out there, okay? the All the other religions out there are based on works, and they require you to work in order to get favor with God. We're saved by grace, right? Not because of our works, so that no one should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10, I think it is. Is that right? That's right. Now it says that. Now I would also point to Romans 4, 4, where Paul writes, Now to the one who works... Wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. That is, you know, instead of salvation by grace, the, the favor with God for, you know, accepting the atonement, Christ's finished work on the cross is sufficient. If we're doing something else, if it's Jesus plus, well, then it's no longer a free gift, but it's an, it's an obligation. That it, That is, well, if I do this, then God has to do this. We make God our debtor. Uh, and that's that's totally unbiblical to say, God, you owe me. I've done this, so now I expect this to place some sort of conditions on God to where he becomes our debtor instead of our debt was paid for by him by the finished work of Christ on the cross. Yeah. Amen. Done. Amen, mister. I see your comments. I'm going to scroll through those after we get done with this. But, um, yeah, and this is a struggle. I mean, hey, hashtag... The struggle is real, people. It is real. I know for me, hey, 
when I fall into sin, which is often, as you all know, <laughs> you know, you know, I feel bad and I'm, I'm like, you know, and, and in my flesh, I want to do something to please God and to make him love me again. But that's not biblical thinking. I mean, really, it's not. It's, it's, that's so human thinking. Biblical thinking is, hey, you know what? Lord, look, I screwed up, man. I totally, I wouldn't say man, but you know what I mean? I'd be like, hey, you know, I messed up, you know, and repentance is making that U-turn and going back, you know, saying, hey, I'll, I'm trying not to do this again. And to be obedient, to obey is better than sacrifice. Lent is a sacrificial type thing, if you think about it. All right. So number three, this person says, the modern practice of giving something up is unbiblical. Fasting in the Bible is the practice of giving up nourishing food, something that your body relies on for life. The practice of giving up something necessary and life-sustaining would cause one to focus on God and rely on him solely to sustain him. Today, Lent is practiced in such a fashion that for the most part, people only give up luxuries and unnecessary things in their life. While it is commendable to purge excess weight from your spiritual walk, giving up television, dessert, or video games for six weeks is not what Jesus had in mind when he taught his disciples to fast. And some of you who are my friends got mad because you don't agree with that and you think this person's being judgmental. He's not being judgmental. He's being biblical. Fasting is fasting from food. And in some cases, people even fast from water. And, and you got to be very careful. You don't want to kill yourself, okay? Um, but anytime, anybody, like I had Dr. Elmer Towns on our show years ago. He wrote a book on fasting. He's, he's probably one of the most popular experts on the topic of fasting. It's all about food. You know, Rick Warren made popular the Daniel fast, you know, and, and all that. What was that all about? It was all about food, people. It's not about your phone or your, or Netflix or whatever. And it doesn't mean that you, you can't give something up like that. I'm just saying it's not scriptural that you give up your race car for a week or whatever in order to draw near to God. The Bible says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. It's, it's simple. <laughs> You know, it doesn't say draw near to God and give up, you know, your iPhone for six weeks and, you know, he'll draw near to you. No, it just says draw near to God, he'll draw near to you in James chapter four, verse eight. Yeah, and Peter talks about, uh, well, actually, better yet, uh, the author of the epistle of Hebrews says laying aside the sin that so easily besets us. If it's something that causes you to sin, well, definitely, yeah, get it out of your life because sin separates us. Uh, from God, not that his hand is too short that he can't save us or whatever his love ends. Nothing can separate from love of God, but our own connection with him uh, can be hindered. Our spiritual development can be hindered by those things that draw us away. So yeah, if those things uh, draw us away, if there's something on your iPhone or in your race car or whatever that um, discourage or inhibits your spiritual growth, yeah, then then give it up, but don't wait for a certain time of the year and do it for six weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could, okay, I'm going to say something and some of you might go really Stacy Lynn, did you just say that? Yeah, I did, <laughs> but I'm going to say it. Some of you out there might go, well, gee, hmm, this is about like the flesh and all this other stuff. So for, how about I give up my porn for six weeks and then after that, go back to it. I mean, we could talk about that people. We could talk about the problem of pornography in the church Right? I mean, okay. 
Just saying. All right, so Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Okay, so that's what he says in, in this thing. Okay, the fifth reason, this is the last reason he says not to observe Lent, is uh, spiritual disciplines should not be limited to one season. While prayer and fasting and purging excess idols or distractions in your life are good, to limit these practices to a six-week time frame then becomes a work of self-righteousness rather than a heart that desires obedience to God. Boom. That's right. While there may be different times and seasons in your life that the Holy Spirit nudges you to fast and pray, perhaps due to certain circumstances in your life, doing so solely based on the rotation of a calendar year is bad practice. And in the Roman Catholic history of Lent, including the stuff over on Wikipedia and a couple of other websites, this is, this is a six-week a six practice because Lent is in the spring. That's what it means. It's in this time period, right? So anyway, he says, we are called to continue steadfastly in prayer and thanksgiving always and to devote our entire lives to God at all times, not just during Lent, Colossians 4, 2. In Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now I got to throw in one other thing here. And I know Randall's going to appreciate this, and some of you may. What day falls before Ash Wednesday? Do you know what it is, people? Do you? I don't know what it's called in the sacred calendar, but I know what they call it in New Orleans. They call it Mardi Gras, people. Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday. <laughs> now they call it. Okay. For Fat Tuesday. And what is the point of this? What's the point of Fat Tuesday? Bareface? What is it? Bareface? It's to uh, get all your sins out because tomorrow you got to give this stuff up for and, Lent. So. And who observes it mostly? Heathen people. You know, and they'll they'll observe Lent too because it's a cultural thing. But it's like, wow, tomorrow we got to give this stuff up. So let's live it up to the fullest tonight. Yeah. Okay. And so where is that biblically, though? Where is this? Where is either one of these things biblically? In the book of hesitations. No, I just, no it's... it's okay. You won't find it. Okay, right. The and book of indulgences. So, so, okay. So what does then, or where did then, Lent come from? I'm going to share from the Catholic Education Resource Center's website. Um, this is titled The History of Lent. It was written by Father William Saunders. And he writes, what are the origins of Lent? Did the church always have this time before Easter? Lent is a special time of prayer, penance, sacrifice, and good works in preparation of the celebration of Easter. In the desire to renew the liturgical practices of the church, the Constitution on the Sacred Litur Liturgy of Vatican Council II stated, the two elements which are especially characteristic of Lent the recalling of baptism or the preparation for it, and penance should be given greater emphasis in the lit litur litur liturgy. liturgy. <laughs> and the liturgical catechists. Did I say it right? Did I nail it? Catechesis. What whatever. Okay, anyway. It is by means of them that the church prepares the faithful for the celebration of Easter while they hear God's word more frequently and devote more time to prayer. 
The word Lent itself is derived from the Anglo-Saxon words Lenten, meaning spring, and Lengtentid, which literally means not only springtide, but also was the word for March, the month in which the majority of Lent falls. <sighs> I should say, Lent me your ear so I can read the rest to you. <laughs> That was funny. Anyway, since the earliest times of the church, there is evidence of some kind of Lenten preparation for Easter. For instance, St. Irenaeus. uh, Irenaeus. Yeah, what he said. (laughs) Wrote to Pope St. Victor I, commenting on the celebration of Easter and the differences between practice in the East and the West. The dispute is not only about the day, but also about the actual character of the fast. Some think that they ought to fast for one day, some for two, others still more. Some make their day last 40 hours on end. Such variation in the observance did not originate in our own day, but very much earlier in the time of our forefathers. Eusebius, history of the church. Eusebius is an, uh, he's a Catholic apologist of the old. When Rufinus, I guess that's how you say it, translated this passage from Greek to Latin, The punctuation made between 40 and hours made the meaning to appear to be 40 days, 24 hours a day. The importance of the passage nevertheless remains that since the time of our forefathers, always an expression for the apostles, a 40-day period of Lenten preparation existed. However, the actual practices and duration of Lent were still not uh, homogenous. Did I say it right? Yep. Yes. Homogeneous? No. Homogenous. Okay. Throughout the church. Okay, so then it says here, Lent becomes more regularized after the legalization of Christianity in AD 313. Okay, so 300 years after the resurrection of Jesus, Lent came into being according to the Catholic Church, basically. Not the resurrection, his birth. His birth. Okay, that's what I meant. I'm glad you're my fact checker and pronunciation. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. I'm good because it wouldn't be our show without me messing stuff up all through it. Uh, but okay, but that right there, right there, just that fact alone documented historically should tell you Lent is not biblical. Because if it was, it would be in the Bible, first of all. But anyway, so I'm not even going to read the rest of this because I don't have to read the rest. I can tweet this out if you want. I want to read you this other thing, though. And this is over on the Hope uh, Hope of Israel Ministries website. And I found this kind of fascinating because some people in uh, the Facebook page, they said, well, this is actually the 40 days of we- weeping for Tammuz. That's what Lent means. And I thought this was interesting. Listen to this. This is on hopeofisrael.org. It says, according to Catholics, Lent is derived from the 40 days Yeshua spent fasting in the wilderness, but it is admitted that uh, the observance of Lent was unknown to the disciples and it did not find its way into the church until several centuries after the time of Messiah. Lent was an indispensable preliminary to the great annual festival in commemoration of the death and resurrection of Tammuz, which was celebrated by alternate weeping and rejoicing. So the 40 days of Lent is connected with the Babylonian goddess Ashtoreth. Uh, Astarte. And which is... Which is all, the, all names for the same. Right, which is the origin beauty. of the word Easter and the worship of Tammuz, which is a Babylonian thing here. Okay, and those of you who watched our show, we we have quote fringy people on talking about other weird stuff that you know is biblical. Um, <laughs> you'll find this interesting. So this is by Michael 
Scheifler. I don't know if that's, I'm saying it right, but he says, search the scriptures diligently from Old Testament to New, and you will find no mention of Jews or Christians observing an annual period of 40 days of fasting and abstinence preceding the festival of Passover. Yet today, most of the Christian world observes a 40-day period called Lent, which precedes the festival of Easter Sunday. A period of 40 days is rather common in scripture, however, and it's true. So he gives all these examples. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days after the sighting, the tops of the mountains, Noah sent forth a raven and a dove. Joseph mourned the death of his dad, Jacob, for 40 days. Moses was on Sinai. For 40 days. He pled for Israel for 40 days on Sinai. Canaan spied on for 40 days and so on. So there's the number 40 is in scripture. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But nowhere does it say we should all be fasting and doing this stuff for 40 days. Jonah warned of Nineveh of judgment in 40 days, which I alluded to earlier. Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. He actually fasted. He didn't like take his like, you know, his Taurus scroll and, and, you know, give that up or anything. He, he fasted food and you know how we know he fasted food? Cause that's what fasting is. It's fasting from food. Plus he was tempted by the devil for food. The devil tempted him here. You know, if you just do this, I'll turn this into bread for you. And then Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God in an English accent, like we hear in all the Jesus movies. Just kidding about the English accent part. But anyway, and Jesus was seen (laughs) for 40 days after his crucifixion. So it says here, so if the Bible does not join the Jew or the Christian to observe the 40-day period called Lent, then what is its origin? Can the answer be found in the Catholic Church? Uh, so it says here, um, 540, I don't know what that's allusion to. I guess it's the Catechism of the Catholic Church, page 540, which says, For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sinning. Hebrews 4.15 By the solemn 40 days of Lent, the church unites herself each year to the mystery of Jesus in the desert. Okay, that's fine. You could do that, but but that's not a biblical basis for it. That's just my argument. And then the Catholic Fact Book, copyright 1986, right? Um, on page 360 says here, Lent is the 40-day period, Sundays excluded, prior to Easter, which the church observes as a penitential season. It begins on Ash Wednesday, which can occur anytime between February 4th and March 11th, depending upon the date of Easter. And it concludes with the Passion Tide, the two-week period during which the church's liturgy follows Christ's activity closely through the final stages of his life on earth. These two weeks are called Passion Week and Holy Week. It was once claimed that the Lenten practice was of apostolic origin, but historians fix its establishment. I've got something on my tongue. (laughs) At a, at a later date, probably the 5th century, Catholics are required to fast and are urged to adopt their penitential modes during the season. Okay, so they're saying the 5th century. Yeah, that's that's not the 1st century. All right, and then it goes on to say from the Catholic Encyclopedia, which was revised and updated in 1987. Lent is a period of six. And one half weeks from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday during Lent, 40 days, uh, for 40 days, excluding Sundays, 
Fasting is recommended for all Catholics according to the laws of fast. This is reminiscent of the 40 days of our Lord's unbroken fast. The entire period of Lent is also a time of spiritual preparation for the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. It is observed as a time of penance other than fasting and as a time of prayer. By the way, might add, if they're using Jesus as their example, was Jesus penting, was he repenting of anything during that, those 40 days? If you said yes, I'm going to smack you because he wasn't, because he was never, he didn't sin, right? So he didn't have to repent of anything. So that's a difference too. Anyway, the liturgy of the church reflects the significance of this period of spiritual preparation. Each day has a special mass assigned to it. Those masses date back to the 7th and 8th centuries. So we're getting even farther away from the 1st century. There are no feasts observed on Sunday. Purple vestments are the daily color. Okay. Then it says here, from the new question box, Catholic life for the 90s, because <laughs> Catholic life is different in the 90s. The reasons for celebrating our major feasts when we do are many and varied. In general, however, it is true that many of them have at least an indirect connection with the pre-Christian pagan feasts celebrated about the same time of year feasts centering around the harvest, the rebirth of the sun, and that's S-U-N, at the winter solstice now December 21st through the 25th of December in the old Julian calendar, the renewal of nature in spring, and so on. Okay? Now, this is interesting. Now, hold on a minute. I gotta blow my nose, people. Sorry. Bareface, you wanna take me on <laughs> Cut to me. Could have muted your microphone, but oh well. Uh, well. <laughs> try to block the sun out here. To... Yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, I was trying to hold yeah. it, but I, you know, just saying, I can't hold it. Yeah, that's, that's no secret that in, uh, you know, in in the Roman Catholic Church, you know, as part of the Roman, whole, you know, Holy Roman Empire, after the Emperor Constantine declared Christianity to be the official um, religion of the Roman Empire, uh, because, if, you know, it's, it seems that if you can't beat him, join him, you know, it's the, per- the the church was persecuted under Nero, Caligula. You name the long line of emperors that the church just grew and grew and grew. And so, uh, in my opinion, and I'm not alone. And uh, other historians, they will say the way that the the Roman Empire was able to, you know, kind of keep tabs on Christianity. It was growing out of control from a governmental standpoint. Was to make it the official religion of of Rome and and then we see this what I would say an unholy alliance where between the government and the church that's not against the US first amendment which prohibits congress making a law respecting an establishment of religion it's not anti-religion anti-god just with respect to a particular establishment of religion Anyway, so, yeah, as, and part of that becoming the Holy Roman Empire and the official religion of the Roman Empire, they, they took some pagan festivals and put a Christian veneer on them. You know, uh, Samhain, the, the, uh, Druid festival, uh, celebrating all sorts of things about, uh, in the fall and dead and all sorts of stuff like that, you know, became 
All Hallows Eve or All Saints Eve uh, when the next day, November 1st, became All Saints Day. And, and you know, as is said, you know, the winter solstice celebration, uh, December 21st, December 25th, well, instead of the rebirth of the sun, S-U-N, let's make it the birth of the sun, S-O-N. And the same with, and it's funny, those, those pagan holidays, Halloween or Hallow's Even, Hallow, all Hallow's Eve, you know, Samhain gets a new name. Some of the same stuff is there, especially here in Middle Tennessee. People with their graveyard decorations and witches and ghosts and stuff like that. The practices remain the same, but it's got a it's got a Christian name on it. You know, All Hallows Eve, Halloween. Um, you know, the Saturnalia or the Winter Solstice becomes Christmas, the Christmas. But somehow, Resurrection Sunday. You know, Passover occurs at the same time as as the birth and death of Tammuz, and you know, the practices are still the same, celebrating uh, fertility and stuff like that. We have the Easter bunnies and the eggs and all that. Well, yeah, and and but it's retained its pagan name, Easter or Ishtar or you know Astarte, Astaroth, whatever <laughs> language you want. You know, the celebrated the goddess of fertility. And so yeah, no, no, it's it's no, it's no big secret that the with the Holy Roman Empire, the Roman Catholic Church put a Christian veneer on a lot of pagan yeah. holidays. Great stuff. Okay, <clears throat> Tommy is in the house. Eric is here. Hey, you guys. Oddvar showed up. Hey, and Marty's there. And I'm sure there's other people too. Hey, hey, hello, everybody. Okay, so I just want to read one other part of this. Then I want to read my friend Denise's comment because I love Denise and I totally I agree with her, actually. And here's the thing. Again, if you just joined us, I'm not bashing Lent. I'm not saying Lent's evil of, of, of the devil. Just saying. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying that the actual practice... The thing is, it's not biblical. That's what. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying don't do it. You know. Yeah, it doesn't just because I'm, it's not biblical doesn't mean it's immoral, right? Or I'm, satanic, right? Or, and I'm not, you know, hating on people that do it. Okay. I mean, geez, already. Okay. So, but so from this article though, um, uh, there is okay. So this is in an article. It's titled "The Source is the Two Babylons" by Alexander Hislop from 1959 okay it says this whence then came this observance the 40 days abstinence of lent was directly borrowed from the worshipers of the babylonian goddess ishtar such a lent of 40 days in the spring of the year is still observed by the yazidis or pagan devil worshipers of kurdistan who have inherited it from their early masters the babylonians i'm trying to find where you're at in the article i'm, I'm midway down the page such such a lent uh, of 40 days was held in spring by the pagan Mexicans. For thus we re read in Humboldt, where he gives account of Mexican observances three days after the vernal equinox became a solemn fast of 40 days in the honor of the sun. And that's bolded. Such a Lent of 40 days was observed in Egypt, as may be seen on consulting Wilkins Egyptians, which I guess is a book. Among the pagans, this Lent seems to have been an indispensable preliminary to the great annual festival in the commemoration of the death and resurrection of Tammuz, which was celebrated by alternate weeping and rejoicing, and which in many countries was considerably later than the Christian festival being observed in Palestine and Assyria in June, therefore called the month of Tammuz in Egypt, about the middle of May, and in Britain sometime in April. 
To conciliate the pagans to nominal Christianity, Rome, pursuing its usual policy, took measures to get the Christian and pagan festivals amalgamated. He's talking about that. And by a complicated but skillful adjustment of the calendar, it was it was found no difficult matter in general to get paganism and Christianity now far sunk in idolatry in this, as in so many other things, to shake hands. Originally, even in Rome, Lent with the preceding revelries of the carnival was entirely unknown. And even when fasting before the Christian, how do you say that? Pash? Uh, Pash, I guess that's from the Hebrew. Like Passover. Passover, yeah. Was held to be necessary. It was by slow steps in this respect. It came to conform with the ritual of paganism. What may have been the period of fasting in the Roman church before the sitting of the Nicene Council does not very clearly appear, but for a considerable period after that council, we have distinct evidence that it did not exceed three weeks. The words of Socrates, writing in this very subject about A.D. 450, are these, those who inhabit the princely city of Rome fast together before Easter three weeks, excepting the Saturday and Lord's Day, but at last, when the worship of Aster... Aster, Astarte. Astarte was, was rising into this sense. Steps were taken to get the whole Chaldean Lent of six weeks or 40 days made imperative on all within the Roman Empire of the West. The way was prepared for this by a council held in... Aurelia? Yeah, what you said. In the time of Hormistas? I guess so. <laughs> Bishop of Rome about the year 519, which decreed that Lent should be solemnly kept before Easter. It was with the view, no doubt, of carrying out this decree that the calendar was a few days after readjusted by Dionysus. Okay. So, there you go, people. Now, again, you can celebrate Lent if you feel like it. I don't care. I'm just trying to tell you that it's not biblical. Okay? Okay. And, and I do find it interesting, the root here. I do find that a little bit interesting. But just like Christmas and uh, Easter and the various things and how we celebrate it, you know, don't have a tree because you're worshiping the tree, blah, blah. You know, the thing that concerns me about the whole Lenten thing is that it's such an outward celebration of what I'm doing for God. And... God is very clear what he wants from us. He he desires obedience better than sacrifice. And Lent is all about sacrifice. It's, it's supposed sacrifice. Okay. Um, he desires, you know, to obey is better than sacrifice. It's, it's, so anyway. <clears throat> but my friend Denise, Denise, who I love and respect, she's awesome. So Denise responds to this article, Randall. Uh, she, this is what she wrote. And I know that she won't care if I read this. Um. She said, yes, I have read stuff like this, but I just don't see anything wrong with concentrating and reflecting on what Jesus did during this time. I don't either, but I'm not doing it to earn stuff, which a lot of Catholics are. And that's the, that's the issue. And I know Denise isn't doing that either, but, um, she said, I go to every fish, fish fry here at mostly Catholic churches and try to witness to as many as I can of the true gospel. Our entire world is based on pagan principles. Even our days of the week reflect from pagan gods. The whole setup of the church is reflected on Greek theater. All that to say is as long as your heart is pure to honor God and his truth, any tradition, as long as it is not contrary to Jesus's law, is fine as I read the Bible. Paul warned in Colossians 2.16. 
In this time of such a divided world, I try to bring us a little closer. So for me, Lent is a happy time sharing the gospel, reflecting on what Yeshua did and embracing my bros and sis. I really am not worshiping Tammuz or any other pagan god. Even in Judaism, there is a non-biblical practice such as Passover observance using chicken. Behold the chicken of God. Just a bad joke. (laughs) All this to say to me, it's okay. Love you. (laughs) I love her too, just so you know. Uh, (laughs) All right. So uh, speaking of Denise, um, Ariel Ministries (laughs) is our sponsor and Believe it or not, if you go to ariel.org and look up Lent, you won't find anything. Um, But you can go there and you can save uh, 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News here uh, on anything in the store. We have some recommendations. Um, There's the magazine that Randall's going to put up. I didn't know what you wanted me to do next. Okay, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure either. Okay. Um, Well, that's, yeah, the magazine. You guys should really check that out. Well. Barefoot's going to throw it up there. I am, if this will cooperate for me. Yeah, it will. And then I'll get your questions here, and we might even go over a few minutes. Well, we'll just do this. But anyway, if you guys really should go to ariel.org and get those. Um, I have, do I have the copies here? Yeah, I do. They're right here. I have my own here. These are really great. I mean, they're good, solid copies of the magazine. And uh, they're big, they're glossy, filled with lots of great info. This is another one I have here. Um, they're five bucks. You can save 20% even on that $5. That lets Ariel know you support Bible News Radio because, you know, go there, support. Hey, put a one if you've ever supported anything at Ariel. Um, and I believe we still, we have on our resources page uh, over on um, our website, BibleNewsRadio.com, uh, we have, um, you know, suggestions for you to get stuff. And, you know, in particular, we really would like you to get the, the Yeshua book because that's a really, really good book. It would definitely help you understand the Gospels. And, you know, a lot of people still don't understand the Gospels. So, <clears throat> uh, so you can go there. You can become a pillar of our community uh, be, by donating once a month to us through BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. If you do that, would really, really appreciate that. We, you know, we... We need the income and, you know, we don't do it for the money because obviously if we did, we would be on a bigger, huger platform than this. But um, but we could use it. So if you want to support the show, you can do that. Um, and, of course, always sharing it out, joining our text message list. That's really where I want you to join. Um, you, and you can text Bible News to 33222. I actually um, send out a text usually in the morning. Um, and then right before the show, so I'm not like flooding you with 5,000 texts a day. It's only a couple, um, and you can totally unsubscribe at any time you want. Um, I just find that text messaging people, it's shorter, number one. It's not email. It won't get hit in spam. You'll actually get it, um, and it just links to stuff. So if you do that, that would be awesome. All right, and is there anything else I'm forgetting? to remember it's been a few days since i've been on air okay all right well let me look at let let me look at uh some uh comments i know i know quite a few came in and what i can't answer bareface i'm sure can because you know all right so i'm gonna scroll way up i'm sure that some people are gone but let's see here i don't i don't even know (laughs) uh 
I always clean the lint out of the dryer between uses. Okay. <laughs> you guys are horrible jokesters. Okay. <laughs> okay. I answered that. Uh, do you have a question and answer slot? Okay. Yeah. Uh, then there's are those who ninja watch on Periscope feed. Is that issue fixed? Great. Okay. <clears throat> Lent is like many Catholic doctrines not based in scripture, but only done by Catholics. Well, it's actually not. It's actually done by evangelicals too. And and there's there's um articles to that thing. I mean Candace Cameron Bure, who is not a Catholic, she isn't an evangelical, she does it. So uh, I always wondered if it was biblical Seymour religious tradition. Emily, it is tradition, as we already know. Okay, let's see here. Melanie apologized for missing weekends in the word. She fell asleep bareface. Oh, no. Yeah. We were called a power couple. Yeah, we are. <laughs> by by whom? Emily. She doesn't know us very well. Yeah. No, just kidding. What does the MS refer to behind my name? It stands for Masters of Science. I have a master's degree in clinical, cl clinical psychology because I'm a trained marriage counselor. Okay, TR Fun Guy said it was a pleasure to meet you, Bareface. Uh, don't Mormons do some sort of Lent also? Not too sure. Um, Mormons, they do fasting for various things. I've known numerous Mormons who, uh, like, for example, they won't drink caffeine, just as an example, or eat chocolate, or stuff like that. <laughs> uh, hi, hello, share those germs, very funny. Yeah, I know. Thanks for sharing that. Drink plenty of water. Yes, I'm trying to do that. Okay. All right. You didn't say hi to me. Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Um, MD visit is okay, but you can't touch anything on your face until you return to wash your hands. Oh, yeah. And you know what? My friend Mia, I don't know if Mia, if you're still here, she said that if you're sick, after you're sick, if like you have a cold and stuff, you should actually like throw away your toothbrush and get a new one. I actually talked to my friend last night out of Juana. Was it last night? Yeah who is a dentist i asked him about that i said i said tom should you show your throw your toothbrush out after you're sick you know because of all the germs and he actually what he said well <laughs> i won't tell you everything he said but he, he goes into these long discussions about lots of stuff but he basically said you don't really have to throw your toothbrush away unless it's a really communicable disease like you know oral thrush or something like that you can do what you want um Swish it in uh, mouthwash before each and every use. Yeah. That's my thing. I don't know how many Lutherans watch our show, Natasha. Okay, we already answered the question of Lent. Okay, there's a conservative Lutheran. But if you don't, that's fine also. Okay. All right. Okay. Conversation. Don't get mad. Get even. Really, Sean? No, just kidding. I was just thinking about her talking about biblical fat. Okay. All right. This is the fun part about going back through this. Isn't that like the Pharisees in the temple that wanted everyone to see what they were doing? I think you're referring to the, the ash. Yes. From dust we are and we most shall return for us mostly. Yes. I wasn't aware of ashes on forehead for anything other than Ash Wednesday. Hmm. Okay. Elvis Presley right. said hi to me. Elvis is back. He's in the building. Yeah, he is. Uh, now, here's another topic. <clears throat> Easter egg hunting. That's a good topic. Uh, 
TR fun guy says hunting for Easter eggs appears to be just as appropriate as Lent in my humble opinion. What is it, man? What? Hey, do you have something against little Easter bunnies and Easter eggs? Come on, man. What about the chocolate bunny? Now, here's what I have an issue with regarding the chocolate bunny. This is the whole issue. Okay, true story. When I was a little girl, which was decades ago, <laughs> if it was a good year, my mother would uh, buy the chocolate bunnies that were solid chocolate as opposed to the hollow ones. People, you know, break it off and, and inside it's a hollow. It's hollow. It's like, what's the deal with that? Who came up with that idea? I mean, down with the hollow bunnies. I prefer the solid chocolate. Yeah, sometime <laughs> during this episode, I wanted to read some verses in Romans 14, but... Yeah, I would say, yeah, Easter eggs, hunting, all that. I think one does a disservice if they teach oh, yeah, their children true. that it has something to do with the resurrection of Messiah, okay. of Yeshua. I mean, if you make this strong connection between all that springtime fertility stuff and the resurrection, then I think you've done a disservice. Tommy says use peroxide. Yeah. And she, would nurse. Yeah. she was a nurse. So. Yep, that works too. All right, that's good. All right, I think I scroll through a lot, but okay. So if anybody has anything new, then I used to give Easter baskets to my kids. Never a chocolate bunny. It was always a chocolate cross. I don't know how I feel about a chocolate cross. I mean, that's just, a cho I get it. I understand. I do. I feel it. I feel you. But a bunny, I'd rather eat a bunny than a cross. <laughs> There's just something weird about eating a cross. It's like, well, I get it if you want pick to pick up your cross daily. You know, if you want to bring which part of the chocolate bunny do you eat first? Of course, the ear. Yeah, you gotta eat the <laughs> ear first, man. You break it off his head, you know. Then he can't hear the rest as you eat the rest of him. He yeah, can't we'll, hear we'll it. Feel it. They won't feel it. Yeah. <laughs> if you start with the head, then <laughs> that's it. I mean, if you ate his foot first, that'd be a terrible way to go. It would, and Start then if the you want to save the foot to be your lucky foot afterwards. <laughs> yeah, uh, I totally get. You know, using the cross as sort of a a bridge, you know, to bring focus back to the Lord's crucifixion and resurrection. At least it's not New Testaments. I think. So Abdu-Nar, is that right, says Abdul-Nar. You said you used to be a Muslim, so what are you now? Are you a Christian now or a Catholic? Um, yeah, tell us. Thanks for coming in. Nice to see you. Um, and Linda's back. Okay, have a blessed evening. Yes, that's our goal. I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> now, We're over time, and I know this is, not, this is not my program, but can we throw in like... Don't have, don't have nightmares. I mean... Five, five verses of scripture here? Yeah, go ahead. Give me uh, some time to, you know, breathe again. All right. You're an atheist? Okay. Well, you know, hey, hang out with us. We like atheists. Only if you're nice. Don't yell at me or call me names. Then, you know, we'll be friends. But, you know. <laughs> all right. Romans, Romans 14, starting verse 5. One man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regards the day regards it to the Lord. He that regards not the day to the Lord he does not regard it. He that eats eats the Lord, for he gives thanks, for he gives God thanks. And he that eats not to the Lord he eats not. 
and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Uh, so, bottom line is, whatever it is we do, whatever traditions we may observe or not observe, let us be fully persuaded. And it's for the Lord that we do it, and not for tradition's sake. And that's that's all I got to say on that. All right. If I were a rich man, la 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 la. Yeah, okay. I'm not a man. Although I could declare I am in this culture. <laughs> All right, so there is, uh, let me, okay, so Legal Shield. How many of you guys are members? Are you a member of Legal Shield yet? <laughs> I, for, I knew I forgot something. How can I forget that? I mean, come on, people. Uh, hey, if you, that was the other thing I was going to tell you. If you want to support what we do and become a member of Legal Shield, then you can learn more by going to bit.ly forward slash LOJ. Ooh, that was, that was clever. Man, we did it almost like, like we timed that. LOJ 2019. Right there, if you want identity theft protection, which you should have, by the way, and lots of you do. I'm really proud of you for that because it's protecting you. And by the way, I got to tell you about member perks, okay? Hey, I got to tell you, I had two great stories from friends uh, who saved money on member perks, okay? One of you, I, I, you know, you didn't say I could share your name, so I'm, I won't. But one of you shared with me how you saved about 600 bucks on a brand new Galaxy phone. And how the member perks actually caused that savings was bigger than all the other advantages out there. So member perks are awesome. And I just got to let you guys know, there is a call tonight at 8 o'clock uh, Central Time, I believe, that I'm going to be on. Uh, it's just explaining what the what Legal Shield is. If you're interested in coming and learn more about it, um, I can have you come in. I can send you the link. You can sit in on the call with me if you want. You don't have to say anything. You just watch the presentation um, and you can learn about it, right? Because the member perks are awesome and they will save you a lot of money. And when she told me that, I was great. I was like happy. Another one of you, who one of you are, is my associate, one of my associates, um, talked about with me how, um, how your law firm actually helped you this past week um, with an employment issue and non-discrimination issue. And so I just got to tell you, for $24.95 a month, having a legal plan is a must. I mean, I am so sold on it. Literally, I actually am. Um, because there's so many reasons for you to use it, aside from getting your will, which you need to get done. If you don't have a will, by the way, here is, here's ours. Our will's right here. I'm not going to show you my address. But it is going to Merritt Webb, my provider law firm. Um, these are our wills. Finally, it took us forever to to get our paperwork done, but you need to get your will done, people. And I'm just, I cannot say this enough. Wills are important, okay? Last month, I had four people die in my life, okay, that I know. And here's the thing. Get your will done, even if you don't think you have a reason. Those of you who have the service and you have not done that, just saying, get your will done. Get it done. Get it done. I say that in love. I wish I had known earlier in my life. Trust me. Um, but anyway, so there's that. And I'm going to talk more about this stuff later. But I did want to throw that out there. If you're interested, just get in touch with me, okay? And then there's a question here from Abdulinar. I'm, I'm, do I have any advice? Do you have advice for an atheist? An atheist? 
Do I have advice for an atheist? My advice is this. You really want it. Here it is. My advice is open up the Bible and read it and say, hey, God, if you're really there, prove it. Show it to me. And then see what happens. That's my advice. Um, Bareface, do you have any advice for an atheist? Um, I would I would agree with that and simply say follow the evidence where it leads. Yeah. There's a book actually called Evidence Demands a Verdict. You might want to get it. It's, it's by Josh McDowell. It's called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And there's also another book called The Case for Christ. See, I would challenge you, atheist person, I would challenge you to try to disprove the resurrection of Christ and do it historically. I dare you. I dare you. That's what I would do. That's what I would challenge you. It's not my job to convince anybody that God is real or he exists or anything. He's made that very clear in creation. And the very fact that you exist is evidence that God exists. Where'd you come from? Can you prove to me that you exist? I mean, according to some philosophy, you couldn't. Because I'd be like, well, that's not enough evidence for you. It's not enough evidence for me. You know, so if you're serious, the Bible says, if you seek, you will find if you seek with all your heart. And I would also say this. I would say that regardless if you believe in God, he loves you. And John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, you know, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Christianity isn't a works-based salvation. It's it's a grace-based salvation. God loves you. He wants to know you personally. And um, that's where I would start. That's where I would start. So, anyway. <sighs> Felt so much love in me when I became an atheist, but it's still searching. Well, here's the question. I would, I would pose this to you. Where did love come from? You know, because here's what I would tell you. God is love. God refers to himself as love. So if you felt love, then, then according to the Bible, God is love. So you, you, you must feel God somewhere in your life, even if you don't want to acknowledge it as yet. Just think about it. All right. And come back tomorrow for another episode of Bible News Radio. And let's see what else does we say here. Let's see. I believe the book of John is a great overall place to start as an intro. Any thoughts? Um. That's what people traditionally say, but I, I personally think that, you know, I've read testimonies where people have been in a hotel, they've opened up a Gideon Bible that was there to, like, the middle of the book, and they look down, and there's the verse that spoke to them. So, I mean, however God leads that, <laughs> evolution is wrong, debates, and now re refuse to allow the subject again. You can't disprove it. Okay. Okay. Anyway, whatever. All right. So everybody have a good day. Remember, be bold, stand up, go with God because he loves you. And uh, I just want to say it was nice for me to be back. Yay, I'm back. It was so fun to be back because um, I miss being here. Man, I tell you, being being sick sucks, man. <laughs> but um, glad to be back. And tomorrow I'm going to send out a scripture in the morning and then uh, we are doing our Get Slugged Now over on YouTube. So if you go over, if you missed it when I did it live uh, earlier, go over to youtube.com forward slash Bible News Radio. You'll see it. I did it on my phone. Just watch that and, and enjoy it. Okay. All right. Talk to you later.